Hello and welcome to the only podcast where the average listening time is less than 12 parsecs. I know that doesn't make a ton of sense, but I'm Matt. I'm Luke. And I'm Max. And this is Force for Thought. All right, everyone. Hello and welcome back. Uh, we are doing today, as you can tell by the title of this episode, I always like when people introduce like it's a mystery. But it's I know. Like, this person already clicked on this link yes. at least like one minute ago with our ads. That's true. But for us, it's brand new right now until we edit this and look at it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, or surprise Spotify. me, Matt. What are we talking about? We're talking today about Solo. And as you know, Luke, <laughs> we rewatched Solo. Um, it's been f- five years. Is that why we did it? <laughs> No, it, five years later, yeah, five and a half. <laughs> okay, okay, we can we can just say five. <laughs> All right, almost six years later. Uh, if Max went by, that's how not he, a round number. You how, don't do reviews almost he, six years later. If Max went by his height, <laughs> this is round up. <laughs> Rounding up to the nearest whole inch, I am six feet tall. And it, we are going on the sixth year then of the solo. So that's why we did the review. Maybe um, I'm five eleven and a quarter. Maybe. Um, so, you know, we can structure this kind of like we did Kenobi, just kind of overall th- thoughts when we first saw it, how our opinion has kind of changed when uh, we rewatched it, kind of what we would rank it out of 10, our favorite characters, our favorite scenes, what we think the strengths are, the weaknesses are, um, and if we want the story to continue and anything else we want to talk about in between. So let's start off with, you know, when we first saw Solo for the first time in theaters, presumably we all saw it. What did you guys think? I'll be honest, Matthew. I thought we were discussing free solo, that <laughs> Na- National Geographic documentary about climbing. Yeah, I know it's what you're talking about. All right. So I, I so did not come prepared. Anyway, <laughs> when I first saw Solo, <laughs> I mean Solo, a Star Wars story. Mm-hmm. Got to be more specific. I loved it when I first saw it. I remember the the person I saw it with, um, the person we saw it with, because um, I was at least with Max. I forget if Matt was there, but I think so because I was with Max. <laughs> All right. Well, so I was sense, with you I was talking with our other friend Travis. Oh yes. Oh yes. We. <laughs> yeah. So why did we forget Travis was with us? Well, and I did because I remember uh, after we saw it, Travis, or w- before we saw it, Travis just looked around and was like, "Where is everybody?" Because it was like opening day of a new Star Wars movie, and no yes. one was there, and it was just so sad. And then yeah. afterward, we were like, "That was super good. Where is everybody?" Yeah. And obviously, the film's kind of notorious for being a big box office flop, which is unfortunate. There was a lot of buzz surrounding it at the time regarding some of the production issues behind the scenes going on. Uh, they had the, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on their names now. Lord the directors, Miller. Lord and Miller yep. attached to it. They were very comedic, very uh, like improv heavy, and apparently they just had like a lot of disputes with Lucasfilm, so they eventually left, and they brought in uh, Ron Howard. Mm-hmm. Um and so there was a lot of that kind of negativity surrounding it that I think led to a lot of low expectations. And yeah. box office wise, that was a shame. Entertainment wise, it kind of worked out for its better because those low expectations made everyone who did see it pretty like surprisingly satisfied with it. Like yeah. it, it wasn't like a galaxy changing movie by any means. Yeah. But everyone who sees it has the same reaction of like, oh, wow, that was actually like a really fun movie. Yeah. Like, yes, yes, that's that's what they wanted. That's all they wanted. Yeah. It's a and fun movie. I think when, you know, we were looking back at that era and they started doing these A Star Wars story movies, um, it, it is weird that there's not a third one. It just feels like it could, that could be its own trilogy if they just made a third one. Um, but, you know, whatever. I digress. You know, in Rogue One versus Solo, you know, Rogue One, third favorite movie, Star Wars movie of all time. I We, I, we as all, you know, love Rogue One. So when Solo was came out, it seemed like the more 
poppy, pulpy version of a you know a Star Wars story. It's like, oh, we went from this really dark and gritty one to this more like poppy one. And so, like trailer wise, I'm like, yeah, you we don't we all kind of probably shrugged, but like we don't really need a solo story, right? Like maybe when the trailers came out, when we heard it was coming out. But then going to see it, it was an absolute blast. I absolutely had fun with it. I loved it. And there was a lot of controversy, like you said, revolving around the directors and stuff too. And I, I honestly would love to see the Lord Miller version, what they were doing with it. Mm-hmm. With that being said, uh, I think Ron Howard did a great job too. We can dive more into that. But yeah, I remember, it's so funny that I don't remember seeing it with you, Luke, but I remember seeing it with Lynn, Max, and Travis. But like, you were- <laughs> you I were, was definitely there. You were. You know what? It's actually really funny. I- I do. I have a picture of you. I believe you're wearing a blue sweater at after the movie. I'm gonna find it. Of Solo? Yes. <laughs> um, for some reason, I'm just like, oh, I have to take a picture of Luke. I think it was just like, you were standing around, but we walked down the stairs, a couple stairs in, in the mall uh, at the AMC at Easton, and then that we had like a almost like an hour discussion. I think afterwards, mm-hmm. and how much we loved it. And our friend Travis, who uh, is very lukewarm on Star Wars, absolutely loved Solo. Like named his cat Kira after the character. Like had a poster in his apartment, uh, and like absolutely loved Solo. And so it's like, it is such a fun movie. And I, I, you know, I guess let's get into what we thought about it. You know, five and a half to six years later, um, somewhere between there, uh, what we thought of it on this rewatch. I think it just gets better and better. <laughs> I, yeah. Maybe it's just my expectations. I know exactly what I'm going to get, and it just fills that need every time. Yeah. Um, on rewatch, I notice. Some things strike me as a little bit more odd. Um, for example, all of the Galaxy's Edge tie-ins. Do you guys notice those every time you rewatch no. it? No. What are you talking Please. There are two moments that Lightness. I just felt like they winked at the camera. But, I mean, they obviously didn't. You, they got past you guys. But Okay. Um, in <laughs> Calm yourself. <laughs> when, they're, when they're on the Vermilion. You the, know what? I do I do remember this. <laughs> me too. But, but tell the audience. Yeah. <laughs> you explain it. The first time that they meet Dryden Voss, when they're on the Vermilion, the first time and Han and Kira are reunited, Kira says to one of the servers, um, are you attending to Doc on Dar? And she says yes. And it's like a That's throwaway hilarious. line. And then um, later. Wait, no. Doc, Doc on Dar is like bar? Yeah, from yeah, Galaxy's okay. Edge. Yeah, the, the well, Don Akadar. Don, what, what did I say? What's his name? Don? Doc Ondar. <laughs> Doc Ondar. Uh, he's not the bar. He has the den of antiquities in Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. He, yes. He, it's like he's a the shop. merchant. Yeah, the shop where you buy the lightsabers. Yeah, you're right. Yes. What's the bar? The Ugas. Ugas Cantina. Yes, yeah, yes, Ugas yes. Sorry. Um, and then another moment when uh, Lando and L3 are introduced and Lando says that she has the best navigational system in the galaxy, and L3 says that you couldn't get from here to Black Spire without me. And Black Spire Outpost is... Wow, how have I never noticed I have, I have never noticed that either. That is genius, Luke. I Thank watched you these for with for... subtitles, too. <laughs> That's even more upsetting, Max. <laughs> okay, well, at least I have an excuse. <laughs> you don't watch with subtitles? No, I cannot. A, Unless it's foreign language, I can't You're do an it. Animal. I, you gotta listen to the sound design. You gotta, I, I, can't, I can't be distracted. You're listening. Yeah. <laughs> It helps sometimes, um, but those moments stand out to me, and also the lack of C-3PO and R2-D2 stand out to me now, because they're in every other movie, and at the time, I remember a lot of people were theorizing whether or not they'd be in this movie, because they were in Rogue One, so yeah. it's like, it's not this, a Star Wars story that's the cutoff for where they are and aren't going yes. to be, and at the time, you know, they had a Kenobi movie in the works, um, a Jabba movie in the works, like, a d- whole bunch of just Kenobi, a Star Wars story, Jabba, a Star Wars story, they had delusions of grandeur looking back of all these Star Wars stories that they were going to come out with. Yeah. And it was not realistic that R2 and 3PO would be able to make a cameo in every single one of those. So they had to 
cut that cord eventually. But looking back, that solo is the last one. It's like, you could have gotten them in, and it would have been fine. Yeah. And so, I don't know. Now that there's the 11 Star Wars movies and R2 and 3PO are absent from just this one, looking back, it's kind of a bummer. I guess that's true. I think, with that being said, I think where we're at now with 3PO and R2, seeing them in Ahsoka, seeing 3PO and Ahsoka, seeing R2 and Mando, I feel like we wouldn't have gotten to that point without them in Solo. To You know, it's like, I feel like they were like, okay, we have to... We should stick to this formula. I feel like it was a step that they were just... I'm sure they have a scene, to be honest. That's cut. I, there has I to be. I wonder, wonder that myself. Right? Because there's no way they're like, just for safety. <laughs> let's just, let's see. Their, their use in Rogue One, though, was just like... I mean, it was just a fun cameo. Like, it really served no purpose. How many times can you do that? To, well, like we were talking yeah. earlier about, spoiler, the MCU. <laughs> yeah. How many times can you be wake up in a different multiverse? Yeah. Just kind of rely on the same tricks. Um, But... I wanted to contrast that with C-3PO and Ahsoka, which I feel like was actually done very well. Like, yes. he served a purpose because we knew, like, how are they going to get a young Leia in here? Like, are they going to CGI yeah. recast? What are they going to do? And instead, it's like, oh, she sent C-3PO in her set. Like, oh, that's perfect. Perfect. Love He's, it. Yeah. Like, that was such a smart use of that. And I just feel like, yeah, it, there wouldn't have been a place for that in Solo, and I'm, I'm glad that they didn't. There wouldn't have been a place. It would have definitely been the hardest one to include them in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's like it would be one of those things where they pass them by on the street or something. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, but then that that becomes distracting sometimes. You know, it's not like sometimes it isn't fun and more being like, oh, eye roll. And I think they it might have been an eye roll moment, which is why because I guarantee like we just you know said that they had to have filmed something. Mm-hmm. And be like I don't think this works. You know, kind of like um in Rogue One when they're in the streets of Jeddah and they just kind of bump into Doctor Avazan yes. and Panda Baba. Yes. Yeah, exactly I do like, like that. that though. But it's I like, do too. But a lot of people give it crap yes, because it is like it is heavy handed. But you're like, oh. yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it is it is odd. Um, it, that's it's like the only thing they could have done like weirder is to bump into the band from the cantina like while they're carrying their instruments around or something. All of the modal nodes, <laughs> just like walking. Can you imagine with like what do the, what their instrument cases look like? Who knows? Intricacies part two coming soon. Um. But Maxwell, what did you think of it? Or Luke, do you have anything else? I mean, I'm sure you do. No, nothing else high level. All right, I lied. Um, the things that always stick out to me, like Luke said, how it when you rewatch it, it just kind of gets better. It's because whenever you see something for the first time, yeah. you're always very nervous that something's going to happen that you don't like, and there's going to be things that you don't know in the moment how you feel about it. Yes. And then after reflection, you might realize, like, I did not like that they did that. But over time, once you just kind of accept that fact that it happened, yeah. you kind of move past it, and you kind of start to, like, appreciate all the good things around it. And then I feel like you take it one step farther, kind of like what we're seeing now mm-hmm. with the prequels yeah. over 20 years later, yeah. uh, where people start to like almost enjoy those things that are bad about it as well. Yeah. And I feel like right now where we are with Solo is, yeah, there are some things in it that I don't like. There's a lot of fan service that isn't done well. We did not need to know how Solo got his last name. That could have just been his last name. Uh, like things like that. It's like, okay, we oh, didn't yeah. need that. But now that we know it's there, when it happens, you're just kind of like, okay, yeah, I, I know that's a thing. And then you just move on to the next scene. And then it's like, yeah. you, you just kind of like enjoy the parts that you do enjoy more, like Han and Chewie's shower together. That'll always be enjoyable for me. I think that is such a funny beat. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's that, that it. That's what you think. That's it. It's uh, your new thoughts for rewatching. That's a great overview, I guess, actually, of it. Yeah, a lot um, of a lot of people always give Andor credit for being the first uh, Star Wars property with implied sex, but in that shower, it was yikes. pretty steamy. 
That's hilarious. What did you guys? I, I want to get into you know my thoughts too. But what did you guys think of the crawl? Because that's something that we we're kind of glossing over. You know, I feel like it's like it's a different the crawl, version of a crawl. is probably the most or singular lack, sorry, the not crawl. <laughs> yeah, we can call it the not crawl. I guess it's probably the 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 largest instance of a thumbs down I give for the movie. Yeah. I don't see why they included it. The setting and story of this movie does not need opening narration or a crawl yeah. to get you up to speed. Like A New Hope started it because you're in the middle of a story and every other movie does it because yeah. they just keep doing it. And you know, Rogue One famously did not, well, in, in my mind at least, Rogue One did not do it because they didn't need it. And this movie didn't need it either. I mean, what does the crawl say? That there's a gangs, gangs yeah. uh, are rivals over each other and vied for... Fuel and food and hypers and hyperfuel. It's all information and that you learn in the first two yes, minutes. Yes, and yeah. the information that you learn in the two minutes is still rather clunky, clunky, McClunky um, exposition. <laughs> and it's like you can either do some McClunky exposition or a clunky crawl. I'd rather you not do either, but please yeah. don't do both. I feel like um, because the first time we saw Rogue One. It was such a mystery how the movie was going to start. We didn't know if it was yeah, going to Yeah, it was a big news it. article or and a big news point. It literally just like like the sound just cuts in and it's like bum and you're like you're there. Yep. And like I remember it's like jarring in the theaters. You're like, "Oh, okay, it started." Yes. And I feel like that was like such a weird moment that by the time they got to Solo, uh, and Ron Howard even took over the project, there was probably last-minute discussions of being like, I don't know how we're starting this movie. Are we just cutting in like that? And then it was like, well, what if we did a crawl? Well, you can't do a crawl. It's not a Skywalker saga movie. And it's like, okay, well, let's do some text on screen maybe to ease people into it. Yes, and that's my biggest thing actually is that I love the way this movie starts after the crawl. Yes, the I was music just say and that. the sparks. When Max said that about yeah. the Rogue One yes. hard entrance, like Solo has that. It, it just does. has a clunky crawl right before it, what, yes. a muck clunky crawl. And that's the thing when I was rewatching is it it does your heart is racing when you're like, how's it gonna start? How's it gonna start? Mm-hmm. And when you're watching Star Wars, part of it is like there's the the intro and it's so quiet. Lucasfilm, right? So quiet. And then all of a sudden there's a beat and then all of a sudden your heart literally jumps because it is so loud. Watching it every single time, still, it just gets you. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't even—it doesn't scare you necessarily, but it's just like it makes your heart swell up, and you see the crawl, and you're excited, and then it goes into this wondrous music, and you're in space every time, and it works. And so when so when Rogue One just jumps into it, and you're there, you're instantly part of it. And then in Solo, the music starts so well, and all of a sudden, it just—it's the same thing when Luke throws the lightsaber behind him. It just kind of deflates you a little bit, where it's like, okay, now I'm reading. And but it's not the crawl, and it's just more of a slideshow, and it feels like if they were going to do something like that, they should have just done something interesting and new versus having just like three PowerPoint slides in like the <laughs> – and honestly, the way the text is is confusing because it doesn't look nice and neat and organized. It's like bigger and smaller, and like it's so weird, and then – which is so funny. I listen to the soundtrack a lot, uh, solo, because I think solo soundtrack is phenomenal. Yeah, and I agree. So it's weird to like rewatch solo because I listen to the soundtrack significantly more than I watch the movie. And so I'm like, oh, I love this song when it starts. And then it's, I forget that it's accompanied by these cool sparks as he's trying to uh, hotwire this car or the speeder. And then it's like, oh my God, if you went from nothing to the sparks igniting and that music, you have a 10 out of 10 solid intro. But they don't do yeah. it. I wonder if it's. I don't know that much about making movies, so maybe you'll have some more insight on this, Matt. But maybe. Um, if it's like a, a, a victim of the changing directors and writers late in the game, relatively late in the game, because it's also like a very tonal inconsistency that yeah. 
you're expecting a, a Star Wars movie. That expectation will never change. And we're expecting a crawl, even if we know we're not going to get one, just because of the there's so many yeah. Star Wars movies and so iconic. And Rogue One did a great job by having that hard entrance. And it's like it matches that high intensity and gets you right into it. But then Solo does a soft entrance with a crawl, but the music is really slow and yeah. like yes. it's not like a hype music no. like the opening crawl to Star Wars and it's not exciting or interesting like getting you right into it like in Rogue One. But then right after the crawl it is really exciting and interesting and it's just tossing you back and forth yep. and it seems so inconsistent. Well, what's interesting, I mean, Rogue One and Solo are the only two Star Wars story anthology movies, and that's why we keep bringing it up so much. But uh, Rogue One did have a lot of the same issues. I mean, they did bring in Tony Gilroy like towards the end of the movie yeah. to help Gareth Edwards. Like there was still like that same kind of uh, kind of butting of heads, I think, or, or uh, difference in views. I don't know what do they call it? Creative differences. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet they they kind of produced both very very different products, but. It is always interesting to me whenever I rewatch it, trying to figure out what was Ron Howard's creation and what was Lord and Miller, because yeah. we know that a lot of Lord and Miller stuff is still in there. And there's always like random jokes that I'm like, I bet that was a Lord and Miller thing. I bet that was improvised. The biggest example is when uh, Beckett is on the turrets and he's <laughs> like, he, he they get shot or whatever. And he's like, oh, it hurt my thumbs. <laughs> like it's such a weird line and i was like i bet lord and miller did that and they just told him like just improvise something and he just thought that was silly and they yeah. liked it um for the record i like that i think that's silly and i'm glad that it's in the well, movie. It, it made the cut so ron howard liked it too <laughs> i think that's a good moment um but then i also always think about the interviews with paul bettany who plays dryden voss mm-hmm. and how he said that the way he got into this film was when ron howard was brought on he begged Ron Howard to bring him with him. He's like, I love Star Wars. I would love to be in a Star Wars movie. So it's like, what was Lord and Miller's vision? Like, what was it yeah. without Dryden Voss? Was Kira the bad know. guy? Was Maul more of a presence? I don't know. There's no way it was I'm Maul. So I think it was either Kira or Beckett was more of a bad guy. But I, I've thought that um, too because it's also kind of noticeable, maybe just because I've seen that interview where Paul Bettany was obviously brought on by Ron Howard, but mm-hmm. he's only in that one setting like, it's two different scenes yep, before I know. and after the heist, but he's only in that one place. They that's could have what, that in two days. That's what right. that's what gets me on the rewatch. And something else on the rewatch that I'm just kind of now connecting is that I love how quick the movie is, but the first 40 minutes are fast. And I think that is more or less the Lord and Miller stuff, to be honest, because when we're moving so fast, and, and I bet Kira, you don't see Kira. I guarantee she probably was the bad guy. Because you don't see her forever, so how interesting is it that you know he shows up somewhere and she's the bad guy? Mm. But instead, you know, we because we go from them being together to then him being in the war to then them him being part of their gang, then robbing the train, then everyone dies in the first forty minutes, and then they get to the the other stuff, which I feel like the other stuff is all Ron Howard, I would mm. imagine, or not all of it, but like I, I have a feeling they you know they probably ebbed and flowed, but everything with Paul Bettany then goes in the middle. And that is something that is very apparent because I'm just like, wow, this movie really cooks. Like, I'm just like, I was in a million settings in 40 minutes. I'm just like, what even just happened? Yeah. And it also, you can see the effects of the creative differences and stuff when, um, what's her name? Thandie Newton is yeah, like yeah. on the poster and top, one of the top build, like she's on the, her name is on the, like the top um, starring yeah. actors. And then she dies so 
soon for one, but also rather unceremoniously. Like I feel like she originally didn't die in that scene. One thousand percent. They came back and I was like, all right, actually, you go here and you die now, and you're not going to be in the rest of the movie. I think that's yeah. with the whole crew because that's the something that's like one of my biggest complaints of the movies. I like how that it moves really fast, but those characters are so cool, and you start to love those characters. How how much more interesting would that be if they died? an hour or something in. And that's the same thing. L3 dies an hour and 20 minutes in, and she's not even in the movie for the first 30 minutes. So she's L3 is only in the movie for like an hour. If that, and that's being mm-hmm. generous, I think. And then the same thing with the upfront characters with, uh, with Beckett and that whole, and the whole, you know, John Favreau and Thandie Newton is that they both die pretty fast. And you were just like, Oh, okay. So this isn't the main story we're following. And mm-hmm. that's, that feels like the Lord Miller stuff. I would imagine to be like, Oh, okay. Now the movie's changing, but at the same time, I do like that aspect of it because it gives you some more insight to Han Solo to be like, everybody he's around does kind of die. I know. It, and so it's like, oh, that, no wonder why he's so begrudging to even join anybody with like with Luke and Leia and stuff in mm-hmm. like Empire when he's like, I'm going to leave. It's like, oh, yeah, because he's used to that because everyone dies around him. Mm-hmm. And so it's like it does add to his character a bit, but I, I don't know if that's 100% on purpose. I had a similar thought that a lot of the movie's flaws – are like objective flaws for a movie, but yeah. for a Han Solo spinoff, it kind of makes it yes, better. Mm-hmm. I agree. But even then, besides, um, you know, I was talking about the music and how I listened to that more. I think Ron Howard does an amazing job directing. Um, and it's something it's, I love the settings, whether it's Lord Miller, whether it's Ron Howard, the intro, that whole city is so cool. I'm like, mm-hmm. I would like to spend so much more time in there, but that's what Star Wars does really well. On Corellia? Yes. Yeah. And it's that, like within the tunnels and within the city and within those uh in on those roads and stuff, just everything around it. You're like, whoa! I didn't. If they go into those hills, like that'd be a whole different setting. But I think that it solo does something really well, which is, um, it gives you a lot to look at, and that gives you rewatch value because yeah. most of the time it you're paying attention to what you're supposed to be paying attention to. But then you can rewatch it and be like, oh my god, look at all that surrounding! Actually, that's amazing. Like to look at, yeah. and it does it for the entire movie. It's the moodiest Star Wars movie, I think, ever. Because it's dark, and it's like even that bright blue uh, color when they're uh, with the the worm creature, I can't think of the name, Lady comes Proxima. out. Thank you. Comes out. It's like, it's so blue, it's so stylized. And then beyond that, when he goes to meet um, uh, Lando, it's like, it's so yellow. golden, mm-hmm. it's yellow, and it's only basically that light is in the middle shining down. It looks like the Batman the Animated Series almost got him table mm-hmm. because everything else is like surrounded by like this gray and mist, and you don't it doesn't allow you to really fully see something. It gives you that dreamlike state the entire movie, and I absolutely love it because no, I don't think any other Star Wars movie does it really like that. I I agree the the setting and the production design and the creature design, which I'll get into more later. Yes, it's all exceptional and it looks so much better on a rewatch because we've only seen star wars tv for the last four years yeah everyone's been saying like oh the, the quality is not as good and i've never really understood it but i'm starting to get it now after watching solo like even just that first speeder um chase yes. on corellia like i was i was watching that and it's super good like this is an excellent action sequence yeah and i think i was just like taking it for granted in media in general in the mid to late 2010s mm-hmm. like it was all just a lot better than it has been lately maybe it's covid maybe it's the tv or everyone's going broke from streaming but it's really really good i, I do think we'll get back to somewhere interesting as well because i feel like right now there is this push and pull where it's like well maybe we don't need to make everything so fast all the time right or maybe we don't need, like i love star wars on a weekly basis but like you're right like 
I mean, I do love watching Ahsoka and, and everything, but it's like, man, like you can definitely tell what $45 million can get you or $200 million can get you. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there is a, I mean, there is just a difference. Right. Um, and obviously with the Over volume, a less period of time too, which I think is, yes, uh, that's a two sided equation, right? Because yeah. when you're working with a TV show, it's like a minimum five hours worth of content yeah. and you're spreading however much. Yeah. Like 30 million yeah. over that, as opposed to 120 minutes worth of content. Yeah. I don't know why I said it minutes, two hours worth <laughs> of content. And you have significantly more budget to spend on yeah. each of that. Um, yeah, I agree. I going back to the creature design, it also it does have great creature designs and it yeah. has good trooper design. There's I'm a mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for a new trooper design, and there is a new trooper uh, on Corellia during that chase uh, in the very beginning. Yes, getting away, and it's it's very subtle, but it is it is a unique uh, trooper design. This is very random, but uh, Michael from Rexing Around was in Ahsoka. Do you guys see that? I did. Yeah. yeah. He was one of the uh, he was one the of Death Thrawn's uh, yeah. troopers. Yeah, the the red the red boys. Yeah, so that's two projects that he's in now. I know Lucasfilm. Right. We would love, <laughs> we would love nothing more than to be a background actor in anything else. Yes, nothing else. And then I'll slip you the script to Rikers, which is Max and I's show that we've been writing. <laughs> You're gonna love it. It's fantastic. It's already written. Everyone loves. You know, everyone in the industry loves when they say, "I'll, I'll give you a script." You know. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. I think about this consistently. There was this interview. Where like Matt Damon was giving a speech or something, do you guys are, do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And some guy like it was like, hey, like somebody, this guy gave you your break because of your script was so good. So how about you give me mine? And it's so awkward. Mm. He's like in front of like 300 people in a in a in like an uh, in an auditorium. Cringe. And then like somebody has to come over and just like take the guy away. And it's Aww. like he shot his shot, and it, <laughs> it was so awkward. Yeah. At least you guys have the decency to do it in your own echo chamber of a podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and then I also yeah. wanted to, um, uh, before we got too far off of, is it Tandy Newton? Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah. Thandy or Tandy? Uh, I was saying I think Thandy. Right. I don't know. I think it's Tandy. Thandy. I think in, you say Thandy. I don't know how to pronounce it. But in, in preparation for this, I did watch the behind the scenes on Disney Plus, and they have mm. that like 10 minute round table with them. And I did think about how quickly she was killed off because she was part of the round table and it was like her and like the rest of the main cast like exactly who you would expect and so it's just funny hearing her input on this film that she was in for like 10 minutes or so yeah which was really like profound and like she drew like a lot of inspiration from like her mother and like her struggles and stuff like that and it was like really good stuff that she really brought to the table in this character who was only on screen for about 10 minutes she's a great actor i mean th- she was in westworld around the same time too and i just feel like she was like it was like her moment no mm-hmm. oh. that's got to be so awkward in the round table she's like with I'm not going to say all the actors because I won't. Uh, no, I think I can. She's with like Donald Glover and um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. It's like, oh, I never acted with you and Dryden Voss and uh, Emily Clark. It's like, oh, Dryden I never Voss. had any. Oh, did I say Dryden Voss? Yeah. Paul Bettany. I know that one too. Um, it's like she had never had scenes with almost any of the other characters besides Alden Ehrenreich. And she's yeah. here on this round table. She probably never even met that half of them. That's true. Yeah, I, I, that's true. I didn't even think about that. Um one person who you didn't say was Jonas Swodemo, and I want to talk about him real quick too because oh, she had scenes with him. I love when Star Wars actors love Star Wars, and I feel like it shines through. Maybe it's just because I know it, but I feel like it really does shine through. And Jonas is one of those people who you know, like just like watching him in the interviews is like so excited to be Chewbacca, and he absolutely yes. relishes it. 
and I wanted to give him a shout out because Luke ran into him at Galaxy's Edge one time. Yeah, I've met I've met him. I got a picture with him. It was really exciting. And then all the people that were around me, I was alone in Disneyland. <laughs> and then all the people, <laughs> strangers like all around me after he walked away was like, yo, who was that? And I was like, he plays Chewbacca. And they're like, oh shit, really? Yeah, I felt like a, I felt like a what really part of the cool park person. did you see him? Uh, not in the Star Wars part. I I forget. I don't know. Was it the Pioneer well. part? Why do I? It was like the Western. The Western yes, part. Yeah, yeah. Is that Pioneer? Because okay. it was Disneyland, not Disney World, correct? In California. Yeah. Yes. All right. Also, you said Disneyland. Uh, well, that would have been a different episode. But you said Disneyland instead of Disney World, which is so interesting. Um, That's all. But I wanted to talk. I didn't realize that it wasn't in the Star Wars part. That makes a lot more sense because I always think about that story when you told me that you ran into him because you said you just like kind of turned around and he was like right there like no crowd or anything and you were like hey Jonas and you're like yeah mm-hmm. and you were like can I get a picture and he's like yeah it was it was also uh 2021 and so most people were wearing masks and so it must have been a blessing for all celebrities that they get recognized yeah 120th as often but he's like six eight and, yeah. so I just and he was wearing my the shot. Chewbacca mask too right <laughs> no he was not he was just so it was the costume no mask (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was just some guy that was like super tall and it kind of looked like Jonas, and i was like it could be and i'm gonna kick myself if i don't try yeah good for you um i also love the war scenes i think the war scenes are so good on mimbin yes it is and you know what something else i was thinking about we never really see the perspective of somebody fighting with atats or atsts and so it's usually against it's an opposition to and so to see Beckett and Solo fighting kind of with them and seeing how much destruction these are doing, I, I loved. Because usually it's, again, it's an, it's trying to take those things down. Usually it's yeah. a plot point, but it's like, no, these, it was really cool to see. It was. It's unfortunate how quick that moment lasted, too. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if that was filmed in the volume. Because, again, it's one of those scenes where it's like the background is very obscured by light and smoke and everything, so you can't see very deep at all. I don't think it existed yet. Yeah, the Mandalorian was created, or the volume oh, yeah, was created that's right. for the Mandalorian. And this yeah. would have been, what, was it 20, it was 2018. So I guess only before. a year prior. Yeah, probably, yeah. They but, probably were like, we have this thing, but you can't use it yet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's um, interesting. The solo scene, when he gets his name, his last name. It's growing on me. It does it. It's not. I liked it a lot really. more on this rewatch. Yeah, I still would say it is maybe in the top two worst moments in Star Wars history. <laughs> Oof! But because they play it so straight, because like they're like when the guy and and it's clearly a directive from like Ron Howard, and that seems like a Ron. I was gonna say the crawl and this scene specifically seem like a Ron Howard thing, not because he's a bad director, not because he has bad instincts, but I think it's because it's his generation thing to be like. Oh well, we need to do that for fan service. You know, it feels like your grandpa's I, yeah, or I your agree. dad's types thing. You know, same thing with the crawls. That he's like, well, we need to put the crawl in because it's Star Wars. How do we do it? You know, versus Gareth Edwards, who I think is like, mm-hmm. we don't need the crawl. It's like its own thing. We can leave it separately. It just feels mm-hmm. a little different. I'm saying that like, like it's our dad's generation thing, but like Gareth Edwards is like our dad's generation. I feel like uh, maybe not, but. Um, I feel like when the guy says, hmm, and he like looks up and he, it, it feels like it's supposed to be like Ollivander and Harry Potter when he's like, I know just the one for you. Like, it's like, yeah, I, I just hate how straight they play it. And it's like, man, it just, I, you feel it cringing in your seat a little bit to like, oh, but with that being said, it's not nearly as bad. It's not nearly because so even the worst, what I would say the worst moment in Star Wars is when Luke throws the lightsaber behind his back, just completely deflated three years you know of waiting wow. and yet it's still your favorite movie of all, uh, all star wars <laughs> it's <That's crazy>. the <laughs> podcast's favorite but, but i mean it's but like again even though these are bad moments doesn't mean really anything mm-hmm. the moment is growing on me more and more as i rewatch it because 
it's so tied to out of the Star Wars universe. Like we yeah. knew that we were gonna get a reveal on how Solo got his name. Like that was a, in the news before the movie came out, and everyone thought it was super dumb already going into the movie. And now you still have that expectation because you know you're gonna see that scene again. But like if you try to take that out of it and just think in universe, it is really sad. Like it's a good character beat that Han is alone and he doesn't have he was he didn't know his parents he never got a last name with the white worms he is alone and they it's kind of a bureaucratic technicality that they just need to put a last name in but it does have a bit of a character impact on him so yeah i i like it more and more i would say i am disliking it less and less more than liking it more and more oh, that just seems like a pessimist way to answer the same thing i did <laughs> no because when it, when you say you're it's growing on you it's going in the direction of you liking it and i i understood your defense and i i guess i agree with what you said i don't know but i don't know if i'm ever gonna like that moment i think i dislike it but because i know it's coming it kind of softens the blow a little bit, right? Yeah. Like Matt said, like with throwing the lightsaber over Luke's shoulder, like that was kind of like three years of speculation or two years, I guess. Two years of speculation and theories just kind of like out the window and like that feeling of like deflation. Yeah. Whereas now, you, you know, it's coming. You're just like, okay, yeah, he does this. That's a beat. We move past it. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I, how I feel about that part of him getting solo. But then it just gets muddied even further with, with Ray and the ending of that movie, and it's like, Ray who? And it's like, why, why, why? Yeah, People why? don't need last names. That's not <laughs> that's not a normal question to ask. Yeah. Like, it was weird when they did it in Solo. It was weird when they did it in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Greedo doesn't have a last name. No one's saying, what is Greedo's last name? It's just Greedo. If, I would like it much better. Like, in Mandalorian, if, before we knew his name was Din Djarin, so what's your last name? Lorian. Mandalorian. Yeah. <laughs> <Man. laughs> um, yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That scene irks me, obviously, but like, it's not. It's not terrible. It's not like a. It's still an eye roll, but it's not a bad. It's not like I don't know. It's fine. It doesn't like affect the rest of the movie. I think what really helps it too. No. Yeah, it's is, a very small part, and you move past it. Is is his response to it though? His reaction to it? Like he looks sad, so it's like that. That works. And that, but I think you know we talked about how L three kind of dies a little bit too quick. I, I always forget about all the Wookies they find. Yeah, I, I love that. I don't know scene. if I've ever noticed that there was more than just the one. Oh, really? Extra one. There's yeah. a bunch, bunch of them. them yeah, mm-hmm. and I love when Chewie, like, they're basically telling him to come with them, them, and he decides not to. It's such a good moment of like. It's way better panic. knowing that there's other Wookies because I always thought it was yeah. like kind of a, a thirst trap that Sag was like, "Yo, come live with me," and he's like, "Okay, we just met. No thank you." <laughs> but, but no, there was a whole tribe there he could have joined. I'm, I'm not a whore, and right. and that's the thing though is that just like it's, he can be with his people again, you know, yeah. and it's like very sad that he doesn't and he's no he's knows he's on his mission and han like you know they're becoming buzz and he because saves han him. is his people yeah han started as a solo he didn't have people and now he's finding people i know exactly yeah. and i also do love the going into his character a bit more is why he can't trust anybody is that that double cross with kira and then beckett uh you know i think it's like wow that is so smart actually to like depth like make his character um mm. a little more deep to be like wow that is a double cross and then it's kind of a triple cross to be like Lando also. Yeah, that that still kind of irks me when Lando just randomly just like he's like bye. And was like, oh no, I love that. I was, I was referring to Lando cheating at Sabacc to. Oh yeah, that's great to win the game. That's another would breed trust issues. Lando is a character we haven't really talked about yet, and Don Glover is a does a great performance and something that um 
I think that Billy D. Williams does, and I think it's one of those things where you just have, the the character develops. Is that Lando is so suave in this movie, but I don't think he has like that likable personality, which I think it's on purpose. I don't say likable personality, but like to to Han, like he obviously does with L three, but he's very standoffish still, and so it it is like they are conflicting elements i think in this movie which is fine it makes sense like they just they always kind of have that relationship and when we see them in empire they clearly do still but it's a very soft relationship where i think they're still very rough around the edges when they first meet which makes a lot of sense because they just met uh two things that i just thought about one going back to this trust issues thing you know that's interesting because at the very end of the movie (laughs) han solo uh kills beckett and he said like what, what does he say he's like oh i guess you did Something about learning his lesson or what something. What does Beckett say? Yeah. He says, like, good job because I would have shot you. Is that what you were thinking? Didn't he, before he died, he had said, like, he has, like, one last lesson or something like that. I forget. Yeah, he was saying. But it was to I trust was no one. It was, saying, it was a uh, like one more lesson left to teach you, and it's going to be, it would have been shoot first, but he does shoot first. Yeah, and it was to uh, kind of a, a recall, right, to when you first see him and he says, trust no one, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, oh, like, Han did learn from Beckett. He did know not to trust him. But I wonder if in that moment what Chewbacca was thinking, where he was like, you know, we're cool though, right? Like, I know you just said like... <laughs> Chewbacca and Beckett. <laughs> no, Chewbacca and Han. Han. Like, Han just like <laughs> basically double-crossed Beckett, and he's like, don't worry, you told me not to trust anyone. I don't trust anyone. And Chewbacca's like, but we're cool, right? I, like, I could feel have like been with my people. <laughs> yeah. Do you think the Beckett line when he says, uh, you should shoot first, is reminiscent of how Han shot first in... A new hope. There's definitely a similarity yeah. there. Yeah. Sorry, that one didn't hit as hard. Um, <laughs> the Han and Han stuff, I love. Oh, perfect. It's that perfect. Is the, that, that is an excellent moment of fan service that just makes sense in universe yep. and out of universe. Yeah, I feel like we're talking a lot about the negative fan service. There is a lot of fan service done oh, well yeah. in the movie. The Han Han is one of them. That is that is fantastic. Um, uh. Okay, I thought of another one that I don't like, actually, so this is a bad example. <laughs> what is it? Uh, when uh, Chewbacca introduces himself and Han says, Chewbacca, yes. that's way too long. I'm going to need to shorten that. Yeah, that it's is like, a bad one. Okay. Which also feels like a... It also, it feels like a Ron Howard thing. Like, it feels like an older guy thing to, to I, do. I agree, but I know Ron <laughs> just, Howard just makes yells, movies I like. It just yells boomer. Yeah, it you. does. It does. Boomer energy. Um, something, else, uh, something else I really love is Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson, for some reason, always disappears on a roll for me. I love Cheers. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. And he is a main character in Cheers. He plays Woody the bartender uh, after Coach dies in real life. And so he comes in and, and he plays uh, Woody from seasons 3 to 11. So he's in it for a very long time. and Or is it, f- yeah, uh, maybe th- 4. But either way, 3 to 11 to say. And like I, so I love Cheers. And I do not see the same character, the same person at all. And then he's in true detective. And then he is in uh, white man can jump. And he, I just do not, for some reason, Woody Harrelson has just one of those actors that I just, I just believe him in every single role he's in. Yeah. Like, I just do not see him. Like, I'm just like, yeah, that is Beckett. Like, I don't see Woody from cheers. I don't see uh, him in white man can jump. I can't, you know, it's just, he's just like, yep, that is Beckett. And he's a huge star. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say he's probably the biggest star in the movie, right? The most recognizable, the biggest the name. Um, longest, probably, because Donald Glover's pretty big, though, right? Well, yeah, Donald big Glover's big, too. but he's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's still fairly recent, right? Yeah, so young I mean, person big. Yeah. That's true. Um, That's interesting you say that about Woody Harrelson. I, I disagree. I think Woody Harrelson is 
I like him in Solo and in most other movies I've actually seen him in. But I think he plays a very similar character in all of them. And every time I see him, it's like, that's Woody Harrelson. Because he has the same accent every time. <laughs> and it's like an American Southern accent. Yeah. And so... No, you're thinking of Matthew McConaughey. It's very similar to Matthew McConaughey. But, but Matthew McConaughey is one where he gets lost in the roles. You don't think it's Matthew McConaughey. I, I, I agree do. with Matt on this. I think you, you, know, you know it's Woody Harrelson, but it, you don't like... It doesn't jump out at you as like, oh, that's just Woody Harrelson being Woody Harrelson. Like, the the best example is The Rock, right? Like, The Rock is just The Rock. Like, yeah. he doesn't really have any range. He just plays himself in every single thing that he does. That's true. But that's because The Rock is not a fantastic actor. I mean, Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey are fantastic actors. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a level between being a fantastic actor and being lost in a role. Like, Leonardo DiCaprio, in my mind, can get lost in a role and... He just changes more than just like his acting. He changes like his his voice yeah. and I don't I don't know. I don't want to get too yeah. that. No, it's not even about theory, the acting because when I see Leonardo DiCaprio, I'm like, oh, that's just Leonardo DiCaprio. But for some reason, again, it's like what the? F- I think it's maybe because of the genres. To be honest, I'm now just realizing. Like again, Cheers, half hour because it's all very different genres. Sitcom, yeah. yeah, you know, White Man Can't Jump, comedy drama, '90s, True Detective, very much drama thriller. And also, did you guys see that thing with Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson? Because they're like best friends, but there's like a slight of chance they, they actually might be related or brothers. Because like it was brothers. Give it a give it a Google. I'm not sure if anything came up, came up but interesting. There was some weirdness. Well, to bring it back to Star Wars, though, to talk about um, like actors like getting lost in the role or just sticking out, I think a good example of an actor sticking out and not blending into their role was in Mandalorian season three in that episode with Lizzo and Jack Black. And I think that's yes. exactly why people did not like that was because they did not see their characters. They only saw Jack Black and Lizzo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that does not age well with all Lizzo <laughs> allegation stuff can canceled. Yeah. That's, oh, that's a bummer. And th- yeah. That's, well, that's hey. a whole other conversation. That's why, you know, Disney and or MCU shouldn't yeah. rely on those types of things. I agree. And uh, also not yeah. saying, I don't want to wish anybody ill harm or, uh, you know, hopefully uh, Lizzo didn't do anything bad and hopefully the people that, that were affected by that are totally fine, but it's a guarantee that we'll never see her again in the MCU or in, in, Jesus, in Star Wars, so. That's yeah. true. Come see, come saw, you know? <laughs> um, um, But also, sorry, real quick, before we leave the actors, because we didn't talk about Alden Ehrenreich, and I want to talk about him a lot too, because there was a lot of... um controversy around yes. him before the movie came out it didn't matter who it was you know there was a bunch of rumors though that they got this kid and he couldn't act and they had to bring in like these acting oh, coaches yeah. and they had to like really help his performance a lot and then and that was kind of also like a uh, front of mind for me when i was watching it the first time like in theaters and afterwards immediately yeah. afterwards and even upon rewatch i'm like he was fine like he was great he actually. was stellar yeah mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. no complaints i remember that part in particular that people were worried about that they were brought brought in i think it was like dialect coaches to get them closer to harrison ford's accent you, can, you, you can't but it's like oh no it, you know? they want this actor to be the best version he could possibly be i'm so nervous like of course they're gonna bring in coaches <laughs> to make him better why do you want them not to yeah and also it's just like he ends up doing his own thing and it works out really well because i don't think you can't replicate harrison ford right that's the same you know it's just impossible to do mm-hmm. and it's like he did his own thing with it, and I think it worked out really well. Um, I think he's great. I think all the acting is great. I think Phoebe Waller-Bridge is, is great as L3. Don Glover is great as Lando. Like, literally, I'm so excited, fingers crossed, to see that movie. Um, is You know, also, I don't know, just, just so much to 
I don't know. I, I, think, yeah, I, think, I think all the casting worked out very well. So well, in fact, that I would be okay with them recasting the main Star Wars heroes and having Donald Glover and Alden Ehrenreich return as those characters post-Return of the Jedi. That'd be interesting. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. Um, I don't think they would do that. No, I don't think so either. But I would be okay with it. I also think Paul Bettany gives a really good performance he does. in this movie that people very rarely talk about. He's a good villain. He's, he's a he, great villain. Yeah, he looks good. But I think that what I think it is that thing though when it's just like he's only in that two those two settings. And that's mm-hmm. it. It is weird because I think it is you do start to notice that you're like, well, what was it originally? You know, like what was that? Why why are we just back here now? Mm-hmm. Why is this gold? But they still give him a lot to do, like character wise and plot wise and. I, yeah. I really like Dryden Voss. Same. Yeah. It's also a great name. Um, so, you know, we've talked about a lot of positives and negatives so far. Do you guys have anything else to say? Kind of strengths and weaknesses? I have a little bit, a couple other, I guess, like segments, but. Uh, I have else? more strengths than weaknesses, but I get. So I guess I'll just rip through my weaknesses real quick. Um, getting the blaster, kind of lame. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of parts about Han Solo that they address in this movie, and most of them are like really interesting, but this one, he, Beckett just kind of tosses it to him. And it's like, okay, this will be my favorite blaster forever now. Yeah. It's not like I, that significant that Beckett gave it to him or I maybe disagree. it's just that it's his first I, job. I'm okay with that. I think if they tried to make a bigger deal about that, it would have been clunky and it would have been... I, I, no, I'm fine that that's just how he got his blaster. And I kind of like that it was just matter of fact. I kind of wish it was Beckett's blaster. Like, after he kills him, he, like, Beckett gives it to him. Like, he is passing on the torch or something. That would have been cool, but then he wouldn't be able to have the blaster for the whole movie. I'm okay with that because he has a blaster for the rest of eternity. <laughs> yeah. It would, the marketing would suffer, and they already put negative effort into the marketing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also just that scene, uh, technically, the, the nighttime campfire scene, um, then you see Han holding the blaster, and he's holding it like in front of the fire, and it's backlit, and you can't see it. Yeah. Hmm. That bothered me on this rewatch. I, I can't say that ever bothered me. I never noticed that, though. I'm going to notice that the next time. We all know what it looks like. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I like it though, because again, it's just it's kind of underplayed. Like it's not like this big like spotlight on it with you know angelic voices singing. Like oh my god, this is the blaster. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I I like that. Luke, you're wrong. What else you got? All right. Um, the movie simultaneously has I think some of the best writing and some of the worst writing in different parts. Mm-hmm. There are some lines that I just think are just so perfect and. Like, it, it literally rhymed. Like, the one I have is um, when Beckett is saying to Han, like, uh, don't trust anyone. And Han says, that's a lonely way to live. And Beckett says, that's the only way to live. That's a great line. And it rhymes and it flows and it's good back and forth. Um, also, the line when Han and Kira finally get together and she says, what should we drink to? And Han says, well, let's drink two and see where it goes. That's a hilarious line, and yep. I yeah. hope to use that if I ever start drinking with people more. That's a, <laughs> that's a hilarious quip, and it, it flows super well. But then there's also lines that are just super clunky exposition. Like when they first introduce Beckett and his team on Mimbin, and Rio says, Hey, Beckett, I thought you said we were here to do a quick job. Well, this ain't a quick job. Yes. And Beckett says, It's always something with you. It's like, no, no, that's kind of fair, and this conversation <laughs> is kind of fabricated for the point of exposition they needed this, it out this is not natural yes yeah. they needed it out and it did not flow this quick job has resulted in you stripping dead troopers of their uniforms and adopting their ranks yes and then um we we talked briefly about the some clunky exposition in the very beginning um but the one that stands out to me is lady proxima saying kira remember the silo 
It's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Why are we talking about this, Lady Proxima? I like that type of world building, though. That's that's like uh, Kira's here. You own her. We get that. (laughs) It's like it's like Revenge of the Sith when he when uh, Obi Wan talks about how many times uh, Anakin saved him or whatever, and then he says, "No, no, no. The the business on Cato Nemoidia does not count or whatever." It's like, well, what the heck was that about? Like, we don't know what you're talking about. That was but it's just world building. There's relationships. Just There's like more. Obi-Wan's it, brother. <laughs> Not yeah. like Obi-Wan's well, brother. That's, that's going to be the a very Nimo- plot point. The Kato Nimoidia business is like establishing the friendship kinship between Anakin and Obi-Wan. And this is just establishing, again, similar to the crawl and similar to what we've already seen um, from that scene alone, that Kira is trapped here in this gang. And it's just the third instance of exposition that we did not need maybe even one of. Yeah. And then the last negative I hope to bring up is um, the my least favorite part in the movie. It is even after several rewatches, even after a rewatch today, when Kira says to Han as he's leaving, um, like the last time they see each other, and she says, smile. That's the word. I always smile when I think of our time together. Like even having just rewatched that today, I still have to go back and be like, when were you talking about this? <laughs> what is this a callback to? Yeah. I have never once picked up on that scene. That line always falls flat for me. I do not remember what that is referencing. When when did she say it? What is a callback to? In, in the first time they um, meet again on the Vermilion, apparently she says something along the lines of um, whenever I think on that time and then she gets inter- and she gets interrupted. That is a very long gap. Yes, they needed and the to movie be a does reminder. that several times, though, because like they mention, Beckett says, "Oh, uh, weren't you listening? I told you not to trust anyone." And then Han says right back, "But you said said to Chewie um, that people are predictable, and you're no exception." And those are also lengthy yeah. um, setups and callbacks, but it works because it was the setup was present. I don't. I'm not even convinced that the setup to this Kira yeah. smile moment is even there. There's a funny line, I think, from uh, Voss when, um, I think, did I say Voss? Quinlan Voss is what I'm thinking? That's not right. Dryden Voss. Yeah. Same last name. They're brothers. Same last name. Um, yeah. So they, <laughs> so the, when they, we found out Kira's bad or whatever, and before Beckett become, like, comes in, um, like, also, where is Beckett just standing, just waiting to be called on? Like, I'm going to make a cool entrance and um, piss off Han Solo. Um uh, he's like, and not because Kira has like an affection for you, which we'll deal with later. <laughs> and it's so funny to be like, oh yeah, he's like, he's a bad guy. That line isn't like bad or anything, but it is like, I don't know. Why, why did you say that? <laughs> what do you, oh, what no, I, lo- I love that? that scene. That's one of the better um, Dryden Voss moments. Cause like as an audience member, you are, you know that someone's going to betray Han at least once in this scene. Yeah. And you're kind of thinking it's going to be Kira. And then he says, no, not Kira. Kira teams has a soft spot for you. Yeah. And then he brings in Beckett and they play it up, which usually bothers me in movies. They play it up like a big reveal. Like in this movie, when um, Enfys Ness removes her helmet, which we've talked about before. Yeah. Get into, they play it up like a big reveal and it, who cares? It's a girl. Yeah. So what? It's so weird. Um, but it's the like, Beckett, and she's younger than you think maybe? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe Enfys Ness was a bigger part in Lord Miller's version too. I, I, I don't think that... so because she's like a pretty big part in this one. In the, in the version that we got. I feel like Max might be right though. But yeah. Matt thinks that she was involved. Well, she would have been involved in the heist, which you, you think is a very Lord and Miller scene. Yeah. That, well, I also, you know, what I was thinking is like, I feel like that, that heist scene was later on in the movie. 
the, I think that might have been the climax. I don't Gordon know about the version. climax, but I feel like it definitely was the midpoint, maybe, not 40 mm-hmm. minutes in. Give me that at oh, an hour train, and 20. The train heist. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, I would say that's okay, but you kind of de- completely derailed, no pun intended, <laughs> with the train heist, my train of thought. Uh, what was I talking? Oh, the, 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 the way the movie presents the Beckett betrayal as being like a big jaw-dropping moment. Yeah. And as an audience member, you're like, well, kind of expected that Beckett wasn't just going to be done in this movie and it makes sense. And so that kind of falls flat, but that's not the big reveal of that scene. Like they Mm -hmm. play it up like it is. And then the reveal is actually that Han anticipated that and saw it coming and it comes later. And I think that's a great moment. No. Yeah. I love that scene. I just, the line that's funny is just, we'll deal with that later. That's the only part I was talking about. Mm, That's fair. <laughs> I'm, I'm Did you think I said the whole scene sucked? <laughs> I'm so no, I like that. Line Everything too. was good except for the third act. <laughs> really? No, I'm saying oh, that's basically oh, oh. what he would have been saying. Um, I'm surprised that you don't have the uh, dice on your list of cons. No, that's moving to my list of pros, similar to Han's name, because that is another thing that the similar to name. Han's name though, or just yes, better than Han's name. Similar in a sense that it's so impacted by our out-of-universe yeah. understanding of that story element. Because we saw The Last Jedi and it was like, oh, the dice are apparently a thing and maybe we'll learn about it in the Solo movie. And then we just keep seeing the dice in the Solo movie and it's like, why Why is this? Why do you think this is a thing in Last Jedi? Why does Disney want this to be a thing for merchandising purposes? Oh, yeah. But now, like six years later, we're saying, it's, it's just Han's dice. It's like, okay, yeah, those are his lucky dice. <laughs> he keeps them with him. The one thing I don't like... Um, upon rewatch, this rewatch with the dice was when Kira gives them back to Han when he's a fake prisoner on Kessel, mm-hmm. and it's like, hey, couldn't have picked a less risky time to give him his dice back. <laughs> you guys were just making out like 15 minutes ago. Should have done it then, probably. The dude's got binders on and vertical binder. He can't move his hand left, right, up, or down. He's just gonna go goon some guys in an elevator with dice in his hands. That's tough. That's true. And they were also following a plan that they had discussed beforehand. So it's not even like a moment where it's like, oh, Kira's betraying him, and then she gives him the dice, and it's like, oh no, she's not. She's still like right. playing exactly. the long con or whatever. Yeah, it was just like, all right, then we're going to do this. And in Kira's mind, she's like, oh, I'm going to give him his dice back at that point, too. It'll be a good time for that. That is funny. I didn't think about that. Um, yeah, I, again, same with the name. I don't know if if I'm going to like the dice. I remember all of the, the dice scenes when I first saw the movie and being like, that was weird. I don't know why they incorporated that so much. And then, or no. Wait, which one came out first? The Last Jedi came out first. The Last Jedi came out first. Yeah, the Last Jedi came out first. And that's why it was so jarring to see the dice. Yeah. They were trying so hard to make it a thing, and it just wasn't before. But now that it is, it's a thing, and I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm fine with it, too. Or it's not the opening shot, but like he hangs them up on the rearview mirror and that speeder in the beginning is like hell yeah i got your dice gonna yeah. go do some smuggling i guess i guess i uh in my head i thought solo had come out first but no it was the last jedi because i remember that feeling afterwards being like what was with the dice and and having to like explain to people be like well no the dice was in the millennium falcon like you can see it in a shot of a new hope but you have to like pause like, it for a, at the right second or you're gonna miss it but imagine not being like a massive star wars fan like us or knowing I'm saying that like as a brag or something, but like imagine not like <laughs> knowing that that is in that last in that one shot in A New Hope. Like, I think it adds a context to it. Like that's sometimes when I forget is watching. Like, it's somebody who watches Star Wars and just likes Star Wars and likes movies and likes to consume things. Um, I, I, I sometimes I, I do forget to like 
there's like other aspect of I guess of us being like kind of super fans, but I do forget sometimes specifically with Star Wars or like Batman, for example, to like take a step back and be like, oh yeah, what if you do nothing about this? Like, what does that do? Like when we were talking to Sway about Andor, like what is it like to have no context, which is like not a bad thing, but like what is that like? And I feel like the dice is one of those things that's like, oh yeah, that is a connector for them between those movies now. Versus like us, it's like, ah, okay, they're kind of forcing it. But to them, it's like, if you watch things in chronological order, you see the Dyson solo, and then you just, you end, you know, kind of in Last Jedi, and that's more of an impactful moment, which I think does work, but I don't never know <laughs> that perspective, really. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, they they obviously, like, explain it in within the movie so that you don't yes. have to go into it knowing that those dice were in A New Hope because no, you do exactly. see Luke take them off the Millennium Falcon when yeah. he goes on there. But, yeah. Anyway, sorry, I forgot I'm leading this. Um, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, I was sorry, trying wait, to wait do you have for any more? Do you have, you, more what? More, more cons? No, yeah. the, that's the that's the last uh, negative. I'm ready to get into my positives. Cause... Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> Buckle up, folks. <laughs> um, I said all my positives already. Did you as well? Probably not. I don't know. Go ahead. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll probably trigger some more. The 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 structure of the movie it is spectacular because it's such a inherent Han Solo movie. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like a sweeping space opera like the saga films. It's more personal, and it's just like the tone is a lot darker, and it fits for. Han Solo's character, I love that. Uh, the Beckett Chewie playing Sabacc scene, I think yep. is great because that's one of those things where it's I don't know. I don't, you keep saying it's uh, a Ron Howard thing versus a Lord and Miller thing, and I've never really thought about it in that light. But now I keep um, finding myself um, thinking about it like that. Yeah, when they're playing Dejaric, and it's like, did Ron Howard say, "Well, we have to include the Dejaric table because they're on the Millennium Falcon"? Yeah. But it's a great scene that. Um, Beckett beats him, and then Chewie like wants to get better now, and so that's yeah. a fun lore thing. But also, it uh, lends itself to uh, a good lesson between Beckett and Han that Chewie overhears. Um, the dialogue right after the one that I just said I didn't like um, when they first get introduced on Mimbin, and uh, Rio says, "Well, this isn't a quick job," and Beckett says, "It's always something with you." Like that's such clunky dialogue. But then right after that, Beckett and Han have a great scene where. Han says, like, oh, you're the captain. Beckett says, do you want to live? And Han says, very much so. And he says, then shut up and do what your captain tells you. That's hilarious. Yeah, it is. I do like that. I don't like when they joke around. They're like, oh, Captain Beckett. It's like, there's no one else being like, that's weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the only weird part for that to me. And then also, it's great um, in-universe, like Imperial lore, that Han was going to blackmail uh, Beckett into joining his crew and by telling the lieutenant that he's... Um, not really a captain, and then Beckett just beats him to it and brings the lieutenant over and says that he's a deserter. I thought that scene is really funny. Yeah, there's a lot of just really good stuff. And I talked in my uh, presentation of the greatest deaths in Star Wars that L three was. I think I put her at like number two or three. Yeah, and she's not moving. That was a very well done uh, Star Wars. I agree. Death. Rewatching it, I think it when is... she's saying what is happening or really hits. It mm-hmm. does, and also. Donald Glover's performance trying to carry her is so good. Yeah, that scene hit more this yes. rewatch when Same. he's picking her up and she yeah. like falls in half and it's like, ugh. I know. And he just yeah. takes the top half. That was extra sad. I, I forgot about that I agree. Part. There was a lot of moments like that that really hit more. Um, Max, you want to go into some of your pros? Yeah. Uh, one thing that you didn't talk about that I think we should is 
Han meeting Chewie because that was a very big moment and that's definitely a moment that I feel like could have been botched but I love yeah. how they did it how Same. they threw him into the pit with the monster and then it realized that it was Chewie and everything is, and it also feels like when they meet again um, after Han is blinded and in uh, in return <laughs> I would say it's reminiscent of that I would yeah. say yeah <laughs> I, I'm not even in on the joke this time. I've never made that connection. That's funny. Yeah, it's like very much the same. Mm-hmm. Screw you, Max. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, there's another part that I really like uh, right after that when they're leaving Mimban and uh, uh, Chewie and Han are running up to the ship as it's taken off and they're like, no, wait, wait, wait. And then uh, they decide to stop and they're like, oh, we can get a Wookiee on our team or whatever. And then, like, as they start coming back down, Han turns to Chewie and he says, see, what did I tell you? Very good friends. <laughs> like, that's such a Han thing to do because Han always says, like, oh, yeah, I got a friend. Don't worry. Yep. And these friends are always people that absolutely hate him. And that was mm-hmm. the true case in this one, too. They <laughs> yeah. did not like him. That's I do love when he says very good friends multiple times throughout this movie. It's very funny. Yeah. It hits every time. Um, And another uh, great use of fan service is when Han says, I have a good feeling about this. Yes. That yeah. was good. We talked about like that in the trailer, and it's, it, it works well in the movie, it too. It does. Mm-hmm. It really does. And we need to talk about the Kessel Run scene, which we should talk about. I think it rules. It was done yes. so well. That's another testament to the effects and action set design yeah. in this movie. It's super well done. This is a great action movie, like one of the better ones of this era, um, independent of it being Star Wars. But... One thing that the Kessel Run shows, which is also a few other times in the movie, there are very unique and inventive ways to showcase that Han Solo is a great pilot. Yeah. Other than just being like, oh, yeah, he beat that person in a race or he is able to make this obstacle course in a little bit shorter time. For example, when he does the move that his buddy Needles does, which is a funny um, line also, when he like puts down the landing gear and scrapes up the ice on that one asteroid in Kessel and yeah. uh, makes the TIE pilot behind him fly through ice shards and it kills him. That is really cool, and I would never have thought to do that. And also when he does like the 180 on the Falcon and smacks a TIE fighter yeah. with the body of the Falcon, mm-hmm. there's um, a couple more times that I'll try to remember. But the movie had a task, obviously, to set Han Solo up as one of the best pilots in the galaxy. It's a recurring theme. He keeps saying he's going to be the best pilot in the galaxy. Mm -hmm. And they really show you when it would have been super tempting to just tell you that other people say, oh yeah, he's the best in the galaxy. But they they make a big effort to show you and it works. I agree. That's a great call. And I, yeah, I was just saying the Kessel Run. Damn, I don't know what I was going to say. They, I think they do a great job of, of, of action. Oh, I was going to say is that I obviously we love Star Wars. And I, I do rank this one a little bit lower towards the bottom you know, like when we rank the movies and, but like, honestly, like when I'm thinking about a movie, like this is a very fun movie to throw on. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm, I'm like, do I want to throw on attack of the clones? Because I'm like, every time I want to throw on like a uh, movie, that's part of the trilogy. I want to watch the full trilogy. And so it is, it becomes more tempting to, to do that. And so I feel like with rogue one and, and solo, I love being able just to put that on. And like, I feel like it's a great movie when you're like not feeling good. You're like sick. And you want to watch some Star Wars? You're like, yeah, I'm gonna throw on Solo because it's a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and it's just like you don't have to be like, oh, wait, who is that? What happened? And Not to go, that, <laughs> to go back to the uh, Kessel Run real quick too, because you know the most famous thing about Han Solo is that he made the Kessel Run in twelve parsecs, 
and I absolutely love in this movie that they revealed that he didn't actually do it in 12 parsecs. He did it in 12 parsecs if you round down. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so funny that Chewbacca like tries to correct him. He's like, not if you round down. And then like obviously he spreads word and that's like how legends are born. And it's not even it's like not even completely true. And I I, I don't know. I really like that. It's another several episodes in that one several instances in that one story beat of good fan service that uh, parsec is a unit of time and or a unit of distance and not time and so mm-hmm. that line was kind of hokey in a new hope but they found a way that he no he did make that run in a shorter distance than other people because he's an excellent pilot and, and also l3 was the navigational computer mm-hmm. yeah and there's um a more great effects in the maw like when that beast is getting sucked into the gravity well and his skin yes. peels off yeah. that is awesome brutal absolutely brutal and we see that scene where uh beckett injects the hyperfuel right into the fusion reactor yeah and we see it like travel through the subsystems of the falcon into very the much engines. like fast and the furious like fast and the furious <laughs> love that it's way more earned in this one it is fast and the furious just, it's just a car but yes. this one it's it could be just a ship and then it would be just as lame but it's because they're injecting the hyperfuel that makes it so interesting yeah. and it reacts in a different way i agree this movie is great it's fun it is it's i don't know it made me i'm sure there's a lot of things that are like we were even the fact that it's disjointed and you can tell sometimes that created by two different people or three different people technically it's i don't know it's it seems great it's fun it's one of those things that like it did not get the attention i don't think it deserved when it came out um because I i don't know why if only people knew kind of what like star wars is now or what like streaming is now or like our attention spans with tiktok like this is pre <laughs> any you know what i mean this is pre instagram yeah. stories like this is pre everything where it's just like you just have like three social medias it's facebook i mean snapchat whatever but like facebook instagram and twitter and then like there was no interesting flashy things with those even in, in comparison to now where everything is just tailored and catered towards you and i feel like it was just it came out at a weird time and i feel like if it came out if like if it came out in 2014 it would have been a smash hit um, obviously I guess we, you know, we were pre, you know, uh, sequel trilogy, but I just feel it like it came out at a very weird time. If it just came out in Christmas of 2018, I think it would yeah, have been they moved it yeah. up. It was in May. They had force awakens, rogue one and the last Jedi all come out in December, which kind of like trained the public that like, Oh, Christmas time is star Wars time basically. And then they decided to use this one movie yeah. to do it a different time. And then it just happened to be five months after a movie that a lot of people and, didn't care about. And then yeah. that played into it. There is like this warm, cozy feeling while watching star Wars uh, that I'm like, for some reason, I'm very excited to watch it during the winter versus the summertime months as well, to be honest. I think that's why. I think we were trained in that. I think so. But even before I then, like, with you. it's weird, right? It's like, it's like, literally, it got cold out, like, last week. I was like, it's 42 degrees out in Ohio. And I'm like, ooh, new hope. <laughs> like, you know, and I'm just kind of still in that train where I'm like, oh, I could rewatch all the Star Wars movies now. Versus in the summer, it's, like, hot. I don't know. I'm just like... I, for some reason, I don't feel I want to. I don't want like cozy up and watch Star Wars. I mean, I always want to watch Star Wars, but like, mm-hmm. you know, I think there is like that. It I don't know that that, that feeling of like watching something new, but um, yeah, the same thing with Harry Potter. Just I mean, it makes more sense, I guess, with Harry Potter because it if it is Christmas time. I agree with Harry Potter. It just feels right cozy, and you want to watch it with like your family and stuff. And I feel like Star Wars too is the same thing. It gives you that same you know it, during the holidays or whatever. It feels like it's like warm and cozy, and you want to like be with your family and stuff. And it just feels like that is the essence of Star Wars for some reason too. People yeah. finding their families, their people, whatever. Yeah, I get that. Um, what did you guys think about Darth Maul in this movie? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was a draw draw dropping moment. 
obviously we all want to see what that would come into. And I just I like the idea of of Han being running parallel with Maul because it connects the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy more. But their I'm lines, like, they're running parallel, like you said. Yes. And I like how you said that because their lines don't cross. No. But they are like they're connected. Yeah, they're one button away, but it's not exactly. So I do. I love that, and it it just it does make sense. Like Maul is alive at this time. Like what is he doing? Like he he can't get vengeance on Palpatine. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's yeah. I think it just makes perfect sense. And obviously, I want to see more of it. I think a lot of people do. Make Solo Two happen is like a a legitimate hashtag that trends every now and then on. on Twitter, there's like a Make Solo 2 happen day, but I don't remember when it is. What a I'm pretty sure weird it's time. May 25th, the solo anniversary, but it's also the A New Hope anniversary, okay. so it's basically just Star Wars Day. What do you but think I've, of... Sorry, I'll, never, I'll never forget, though, like the, the year or two following uh, when Solo came out and just consistently seeing people comment on Facebook or Reddit or wherever, people being like... What did you guys think of Solo? Because I just watched it and I actually really liked it a lot. And all the comments always being like that. People were like, "Yeah, I watched it. It was great." Yeah, the, the, like, prob- yeah the problem. Yeah, is, everyone loves it. The problem is those people commented two, three years later, not <laughs> the day of. Correct. Yeah. yeah, that's the that's. What did you think of Maul? Uh, also, um, I like it as a Star Wars fan. Uh, Interesting route you're going. <laughs> as like in the movie, it kind of. It's like it comes out of left huh? field. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does. It comes out of left field, and the movie up until this point is a great standalone movie in the sense that you don't need to yes. see any other Star Wars, yep. and then you get to this scene, and it's like I imagine. My, I, well, I remember seeing it with my wife the first time. She was like in it all the way, the whole movie, and then that scene happened. She's like, "What the hell is that? That's <laughs> completely different than the rest of the movie." Yeah. I feel lost all of a sudden, and it's like in the last ten minutes of the movie. So, I don't know. I I like the lore aspect of it. In terms of Solo as a movie, I think it could have done without, maybe, yeah. but... I like it. It feels like like a post credit scene. It does. It does feel like it a post credit scene. Feels... And I'm glad that it's not. I don't want Star Wars to have post credit scenes. It feels like, not, I don't want to say safeguarding in any way, because it's obviously not, because here we are years later, five and a half, six years later, and we have no news of Solo 2, or not even Solo 2, just like these stories going forward, but... If we knew anything about Star Wars, eventually it will pay off because mm-hmm. they that they always do it. And I think that's why it feels out of place for solos because it just hasn't paid off yet because they, in my opinion, clearly included it wanting to do something more with that storyline. Oh, yeah. I don't think they would just do that just to like be like, oh, that's a fun cameo. I think they had an idea and they were like, oh, if this movie's successful, we can go this route. And unfortunately, it just wasn't successful. And that's why it probably feels like it's out of place. But Which is why, I, again, there was, there was no way there was there ever was going to be a solo two and three, though. Like, I don't see that happening. So it's like... Oh, I, it could it won't be No, it won't be a direct sequel, but it'll be like a, even, a continuation of the story. Somehow. I think so. But even then, I, don't, I just don't see, like, in 2018, if they're like, this movie's huge. I just did, still don't see them doing a solo two. Because of, like the format they're going with, with like each individual yes. character a Star Wars story, yeah, and it would have been weird. Like, cause we're, you're obviously not going to get a Rogue One sequel. No, they were also still looking at the time of like uh, what kind of TV shows they can do for Disney Plus and yeah. stuff. So maybe that was a, mm-hmm. a yeah, thought that they had. That's why I still feel I I still have hope for the Lando movie, even though I know we were talking about how you guys don't. I still feel like it can be thematically connected to Solo because there's no way they're not going to pay that story off a little bit. And then the other part of me is just like, well, they have all these pieces that everyone's waiting for to be 
inched further. Even if it's not the thing, if it's a connector, the third thing can be a mall show. Mm-hmm. Like, thing, you know what well, I mean? It doesn't have to be Maul's I, the ba- big bad guy of the Lando movie or something, but like, yeah, maybe it's the it's the middle ground. So it's like, oh yeah, started in Solo. He's got a cameo. I mean, it's literally the Emperor. A small cameo, a little, a one scene, and then you have his own movie or something. That's another thing I don't love about the mall in this movie is the design of him. They brought back Ray Park, who's obviously twenty five years older, and Maul looks twenty five years older, and he uses the spider le- the robot legs, which you know, it's, in terms of this movie, you can't you can barely notice. You have to look for it, but when you look at Maul and he's got like the hologramness of him and he's being dubbed by Sam Witwer. And I don't know if you can tell or if I'm just looking for it, but he looks a little hokey and it's way more noticeable in just the promo pictures of Maul from mm-hmm. this movie. I think it looks bad. Like if there's ever a character that you want to make age slower weird- for it, I'm, I... I'm glad I'm in the minority. He's talked one, but then he lost it in the Phantom Menace and then he makes this one in Clone Wars. And then, yeah, and he kind of like funny. instructed him. And then he was like, and then he has like a third one. It's like a cane in Rebels, but that'll be later. That scene, that the lightsaber crabbing, I don't love though. That admittedly, because that's like, it's, well, just, it's out of left field. Yeah, it's like, because that's it's fan service. But it's like, we know. It's fan service, but in, it's also like kind of like an exposition, like for the audience who may not have seen like Clone Wars. It's like, hey, just so you know, this is Darth Maul. Like, yeah. we're going to show you the lightsaber to just like really seal it home for yeah. you. And. Like yeah, in you well in universe, it's like an intimidation factor for Kira, and he says we're going to be working a lot more closely now. And it's I think it's implying that he's going to start training her in combat, yeah. maybe the mm. force. But we've seen that in the comics that she was trained by Darth Maul in she combat. She holds her she holds her own against Vader. She doesn't beat him. Spoiler alert! But she does <laughs> hold her own in combat. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the last thing that I want to add to is moving on from Solo. Where does it go? The Lando? Maybe it's like mm-hmm. a thematic sequel and stuff, but. I'm just so worried about Lando because they had that big thing about how it's going to be written now by Donald and Steven. Uh And it's like, to me, I'm like, why are we talking about this if it's not written? Why are we talking about Lando at all? Like, that's not... It's don't not, announce a project and then be like, okay, now we're going to write it. Like, no, write it. Like, yeah. make sure you have something do the and thing. then talk about yeah. it. So that's what makes me nervous. They, I'm like, we're talking about projects again before we have the yeah, ideas. They always do that. Mm-hmm. I've talked about that before. I just saw in the news um, this past week that Kevin Feige's movie is no longer that. being important. It's like, yeah, he actually never wrote anything. And like, I'm not even surprised. Why was this ever yeah. a talking? Because you had all they conversations. Do. They just attach cool people to it. And then they're like, all right, so tell me what you can come up with. And so weird. Um, anybody have anything else? I just want to do one more segment. of just basically rating the movie out of 10. Um I never know how to rate. Yeah, Luke's scale is weird. Yeah, Luke's scale is weird. But I, Luke, let's start with you. How would you rate it out of ten? I'll give it as a movie. A perfect, that's what it is. A perfect ten. Interesting. Okay. As a Star Wars movie, an eight. That is so. If anything, <laughs> that seems reverse, Luke. But I can't. This is Max is spooky and scary. <laughs> it is similar to that. It makes <laughs> usually when you're like on a Star Wars movie, it's a ten out of ten. Of a regular movie, it's eight out of ten. Because I can also appreciate, you know, that's running with the Godfather or something. So. That's funny. I, I give it a very solid 7 out of 10. 
Interesting. What, for your other example, what's like your what's Last Jedi for you? Your favorite Star? Well, Return of the Jedi. Sorry, your favorite Star Wars movie. What is that out of ten? Uh, I would give it a nine out of ten. Interesting. I, I would give New Hope out of ten out of ten, which is my favorite Star Wars no, movie. You can't give it a ten out of ten because then you're saying that nothing can ever be better than it. No, then you're saying no, you got to give what your favorite thing grow. is. You have to give something yeah. a ten out of ten, and you have to give something a zero out of yes, ten. Yes, exactly. Everything well, else has to fall between. I don't think I have a zero out of ten of like a movie, but like yes, for for something to be a ten out of ten, you have to be able to say that can't get better. Yeah, no, it just has to be better than everything else. I think no, because then that's not a rating. You're just ranking it again. Well, like on like IMDb yeah, for my movies, out true. of all the movies I have, I think I have maybe 10, 10 out of tens, and that's like thirty eight hundred movies. I Wh- think. Which ones are they? Do you know? Uh, I mean, some of my favorite movies are Shaun of the Dead, The Dark Knight, A New Hope. Mm, I think Raiders of the Lost Ark. I want to say high ten. Yeah, I mean that's, that's, a, that's because, a weird system to me. But it's but it's not because if you're looking at my other movies that are like six out of tens, I mean six out of tens not good. That's a D. You know, I mean like a lot of my movies are in the sevens because if you're if I'm like what else is a six out of ten? It's like these like shitty horror movies that are like fun but they're not very good. You see, I consider like a six out of ten bad. like better than it is bad. Like I would say a six out of yeah. ten is like a decent movie. Like I would say like I have no regrets mm. watching a six out of ten movie. Most of my movies are the movies that I I think are fine are sevens, eight eights are great. I think nines are stellar. Tens are like favorite movies. Like I mean, most of my movie, all my favorite movies of all time are eights through tens. There's no sevens in there because that mm-hmm. that's sevens are just fine movies yeah as they should be those are those are top tier yeah but yeah. i don't think any star wars movie is a seven really below a seven for me at all because it's those are good movies six six is not great anyway interesting anybody have any force for thought i do it is uh bad time to put away your oh you did it was it's not a notebook it's not Ooh. notes it's gifts. gifts oh my god luke son of a I bitch brought gifts for matt and max oh uh, my word <sighs> I didn't get you anything. That's okay. Man, I thought you put your notebook away. I was like, bad time to put the notebook away, Luke. Ooh, it's a comic. It's an Is it the High Republic comic? <laughs> it's the it's the Han Solo. Oh, it's the Han Solo comic. It's the Han Solo collection. So this is the Han Solo miniseries issues one through five. Oh. It was a miniseries from twenty fifteen, I think. And it's a very good one. Oh good. Luke, t- I've never read this. Thank you so much. I am so excited. This comic looks beautiful. Good. I'm glad you guys like it. I got it for Han Solo Day. I wanted to wear a vest too, but I don't think I own one. Oh, I should have wore a vest. Damn, we should really text this before. <laughs> but that's my force for thought. So thanks for listening, everybody. Follow us on socials. Let us know what you think about the solo movie. Are you rewatching it for the five and a half year anniversary like we did? Um that reach out to me. us on this is the five year. <laughs> this is a five year later review. See us on TikTok and Instagram. You can email us and we'll tell you next week. Yeah. Thanks everybody. See you, Sammy.